get Stephen Cluxton this morning, Ashling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can retire. This is your future. No, pre- no pressure. Thanks, David. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go up and uh, find out what room he is knocking the door. OTB AM. Live. Weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. Off the ball. Daily. And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk. John Duggan with you till five. You can text us 53106, tweet us at Off the Ball. We're streaming the conversation. You can listen across the country on your radio and news talk, but also watch us if you'd like on the Off the Ball digital and social channels for Twitter, YouTube, and on Facebook. Now it's time after talking hurling to reflect on Dublin against Kerry last weekend and select some football teams of the year with the ex-Derry player Conneth Gilligan and the GA writer from the Irish Independent, Donegal Boyle. Conneth and Donegal, how's the form? Very good, John. How are you? Great to speak to you, lads. And, Conneth, we're going to start with you. Did Dublin deserve to win the All-Ireland final against Kerry last Sunday? Yeah, I think on balance they did. It was a game that looked like it was going away from them, but it was just written in the stars. The players had all come back, going for nine, some of them going for nine All-Ireland medals. They just weren't going to be denied. And, and as good as Kerry were in patches, they just couldn't hold out. Donegal, this will be a painful defeat for Kerry to take because you felt that last year they'd broken the Dublin stranglehold on winning these tight matches back to 2011 and now it's a case a year later that they've lost their All-Ireland crown to their biggest rivals. Yeah, I, I think it will sting from that point of view um, and, and very much because, uh, you know, it, it felt very much like a, a, a transitional game for both those teams. You know, would Dublin squeeze one more out of that great group and they have... Or would Kerry go on and take over and be- establish themselves as the dominant team? And now we just don't know where that stands because there's so much to decide between now and when the championship starts next year. But yes, painful one for Kerry, uh, considering you know that they shot themselves massively in the foot with that goal in the second half, which in real time maybe when they re-established a three-point lead, that it felt like they didn't have to that that they had ridden out that storm. But I think. It did. Jack O'Connor said afterwards, I told in the last five or ten minutes, and I'd agree with that. I think Kerry kind of ran out of steam a little bit down, down the home straight. Two points in the last 25 minutes is all that Kerry scored. By the way, Celtic are now 4-1 up against Ross County on the opening day of the Scottish Premiership season. Uh, Connors, we all need to give David Clifford a break and calm down and stop hailing him as the greatest of all time, whether he will become that or not. He's a brilliant Gaelic footballer in an amateur sport uh, who had an off day. Maybe we all need to just cool it and uh, remember that it's not professional sport here that we're talking about. Yeah, there's probably an element of that. But David Clifford was nearly man of the match. He was nearly the winning captain. He was nearly footballer of the year. And it all hinged on off the post, dropping a wee bit wide, things that were uncharacteristic for him. He still had a good game, but by his standards, people were talking about him in a wee bit off. People then talking about Simmons for man of the match because Clifford had an off day. Look, I think it was a case that Clifford was just probably under so much pressure. The ball was wet. Everything that went for him against Derry in really well marketing for some gig just didn't go the same way. And look, I, I think he will be the greatest of all time. Um but again that'll come down to the fact how many all learners will he win with this Kerry team. But in terms of what an individual can do for one thing, like he's out there on his own and it was just inches from being a magic display for him in another all learn final. Donica, would you see it as the end of the road for a lot of these Dublin figures, these heroes in the capital? Michael Fitzsimons, James McCarthy, Dean Rock, Jack McCaffrey. Well, I suppose Paul reading Mannion. between the lines on, on Dean Rock, you would say that he, he didn't quite commit to it, but he did accept that these could be his last acts as a Dublin footballer and, and, and what a career. Looking at Mick Fitzsimons and James McCarthy, like 
it really comes down to their bodies and, and their desire. You know, maybe their lives are moving on, they're, they're chasing different things. But like if Dublin played again tomorrow, both those boys are in the team without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and there's a few others in that, Stephen Cluxton as well. And we'll talk about all these lads later on. So um, it'll be interesting to see because it does very much feel, and we talked about it a lot in the build-up, it does feel like last dance sort of stuff that, you know, this was the group, the gang getting back together for one more go. Didn't feel like that. Now, whether they're happy with what they have or, or whether they're getting boldened by that, that win and how they won it is is really up to them. But there's no reason why that Dublin setup at large can't stay together. It just it comes down to personal decisions now that we'll find out over the next weeks and months. Would you expect Desi Farrell to stay on, Donica? I wouldn't be surprised if he goes personally. Um, I think he's done... With that second All-Ireland, I think he's done brilliantly to get it out of that group. He would have long personal relationships with an awful lot of that team going back to when they're under 13, 14, the McCaffreys, the Kilkenny's, those, that group of fellas. So, you know, I, I'd imagine they'll all inform each other's decisions over the next few months, you know, that if Desi was going again, that group in particular, I think, would be very eager to go with him again. But maybe, you know, Jack McCaffrey came back and feels like he's done what he can do. Maybe Paul Mannion's in the same boat. And they weren't giving much away in the post-match stuff. I watched a lot of it. I read a lot of it. Um, there was no one with any real definitives. Um, so it's, it's a case of watch this space. But I wouldn't be surprised if if Desi said, you know what, I, I've done what I, I came here to do. And like he had done so much work in the background of building that six in a row team with those great underage groups that he put together. So his contribution to Dublin over the last 10 and 15 years in the management centre has been extraordinary. That's nothing new. Dublin players don't tend to give a lot away, and that's been the case for quite a few years now, <laughs> I, I've, I've found. Um, let's pick our teams of the year, have a bit of fun with it. I can't, it's unfortunate for Rory Began and Shane Ryan, two excellent goalkeepers, and Oren Lynch as well, that Stephen Cluxton, you can't not pick him now as footballer of the year in the one position, whether he's going to be the footballer of the year for the overall team, but he's got to be the goalkeeper, does he? Or do you have a different view? He doesn't have to be the goalkeeper. That's, that's the first thing. But Shane Ryan has had a brilliant season Probably statistically, Shane Ryan has been better. But when it came to the big games, when Cluxton came back, and probably one of the moments of the year was sitting, watching Louth in Dublin, and all of a sudden Cluxton's in the, the warm-up. Nobody heard about it. It didn't seep out. It was just an incredible moment. But yeah, look, I think Cluxton will get the All-Star. Other years, he probably deserved it more and didn't get it. So I think on balance, Stephen Cluxton will get the All-Star. And I think no one would begrudge him for, for what he has done and what he's been able to do. So he's in your team. He's your number one, is he, Conneth? Number okay. one. And look, as Hugo mentions, begging, you know, Oren Lynch, who had a, a bad end of last year, like I thought he was sensational. His ability to kick points from play, probably the Jerry game wasn't the greatest in terms of being out the field, but I thought he had a brilliant season and he improved from last year as well. So it'll be a note of mention for him as well. Donica, who's your number one? Um, I went for Cluxton as well, but I, I actually think it's one of the toughest decisions to make in, in the 15 um, like Shane Ryan you can make the case that against Derry he actively saved Kerry's season I don't think Stephen Cluxton had to do that at any point as good as he has been like you know Derry Kerry would not have been in the All-Ireland final without Shane Ryan and he gets forward and does all the things a modern goalkeeper do does but I went for Stephen Cluxton because you know he didn't concede a goal he retained 100% of his kickouts in an All-Ireland final and you can make the case that maybe Kerry didn't press as, as well or as intensely as, as they should have. But to get, I think it was, uh, uh, was it 23 off the top of my head off in a yes. final in skippy conditions. 
that's extraordinary at uh, 41, 42 years of age. It's, it's, that's incredible. So I've just gone for him, but it's Shane Ryan on a strong case. This is the fullback line uh, picks now. Connor, this is your chance now to start getting dairy players into the team. Yeah, look, and as you'd expect, <laughs> but I think McCluskey really deserves one. You know, I think he took his performances from last year and he's built on that. Not only was he defensively brilliant, he was probably marking arguably the second best forward in every single team. But it was his ability really against Monaghan in the Ulster Championship to really show where Monaghan were weak. And he absolutely killed them and probably saved Monaghan's season as a result because Monaghan knew they had to change after. But look, I think McCluskey, he carried a serious amount of ball, his energy up and down the field. Whenever, for such a young player, whenever Gary were under the cosh, he was the man that kept breaking lanes, kept getting the ball out quick. So for me, look, I think that McCluskey is a very worthy cornerback. So he's in there with who? Fitzsimons and somebody else? He's in there with Mick Fitz. You know, I think that final performance will get him an all-star. Um, and I think if it is his last one, you know, what a career he's been. And after, after that, for me, it's Tom O'Sullivan. Again, what he'd done in previous games and in the final as well. You know, he scored nine points from cornerback. Like, that's just off the scale. And I think generationally, has there been a better cornerback in the last decade? There probably hasn't. Donica, who's your fullback line? Yeah, I've gone the same as Conor, um, uh, Conor McCluskey just for, I suppose, how he's developed into, I suppose, one of the leaders in, in that team and his, his ability to break lines, get forward and mark men. Like it, I think against Kerry, he tracked Poddy Clifford, you know, and that, that, that shows you the esteem he's held in in the Derry setup in a group of very good players that they give him responsibility as something, someone like that because when Poddy Clifford plays well, Kerry generally do too and, and they gave him McCluskey and I thought he did, did very well that day and and maybe you know in the build up to that game people were talking about him in in, in the broader context you know, maybe the nationally he, he was been mentioned because he played full back in that minor final where David Clare got 4-4 um, and I think you know he's he's carved out a, a real reputation for himself this summer as a proper footballer um, Mick Fitzsimons as well you know very good All-Ireland final again I agree with Connors he probably get his all-star on the back of that but the most extraordinary thing for me is that he he's he was marking David Clifford, one of the great talents, twelve years after he marked Colin Cooper in the twenty eleven final. And I think that's just testament to his ability, to what he's made himself. You know, and his story is well known from the Cooler Minor B team to, you know, being entrusted with Dublin's man marking jobs in a team of very good defenders. And uh, Dublin still looked to Mick Fitzsimons and did all the way through his career. With, uh, there was a short period at the start of Jim Gavin's time when maybe he uh, was on the outside looking in for a brief period, but otherwise he was he's been brilliant for Dublin over an incredible career. And Thomas Sullivan, like um, I just had a look at who he's marked over the last few days. It was Niall Lockton against Derry. He had Derek Hanavan, and Derek Hanavan was singing his praises as a man marker. And I think Tom got two points that day, and then Cormac Costello last day. Um, so yeah, Thomas Sullivan is nailed on for me. Okay, you're in uh, great minds thinking alike uh, mode at the moment, lads. Uh, Conneth Gilligan and Dunlop. I have a feeling that will continue, John. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I, I just, I'm very glad I'm getting going first, and then I'll be accused of copying. Yeah, absolutely. Don't yeah. change that when he hears you. Uh, is, this the, <laughs> is this the line then, Conneth, for a modern player at the halfback line? Yeah, look, I, it has to be Conor McCarthy like, like, against Tyrone in the first half. Mayanahan were absolutely a beaten docket out the gate. They move a few switches. Conor McCarthy goes to wing half back. He's so versatile. 
and then everything just explodes from there and he just t- took that on and against even Armagh whenever the game was under pressure he was the one that kept carrying the ball forward kept getting on the overlaps kept kicking the points from ridiculous angles and I think it's something like 211 in this year's championship from play which for a half back is savage going and why he didn't play there all the time he didn't neglect his marking duties and I think while finals and semi-finals do dictate who gets the big awards like I think if there is one outlier a team outside of Dublin, Kerry or Derry, it would be Conor McCarthy for uh, for Monaghan. And on the other side, there'd be a notable mention for Charles O'Connell as well, who really brought Monaghan forward whenever they looked really under pressure from the Derry game onwards. Who are the other then halfbacks for you, Conor? Yeah, well, look, obviously my own club mate, Gareth McGinnis. Uh, for me, I would have him in. Politics might dictate that, you know, him or McCluskey or somebody doesn't get one, but Look, I think everything was good about Derry's display. And as a one-off, singular display of football, the game against Kerry, where Derry was struggling a wee bit up front, and he kept breaking lines and breaking lines and breaking lines and creating overlaps. And I suppose the big chance he had that was saved by Shane Ryan, which nearly got Shane Ryan an all-star, had that went over the bar, I think Derry would have done and win. But his displays of bravery were just incredible. And for me, he may not get one officially, but like I think he has to be up there for for that one. And, and you, on the other yeah. side, look, James McCarthy is going to get one uh, probably in wing half back based on where he was playing, even though he was out the field a lot. Um, he'll get one, and deservedly so. And Gavin White will probably be the player that'll be most agreed to, who may miss out because of that. We had another brilliant season. Um, we're going to get different selections from you in the halfback line, Donald Cabal. I think Conrad might have been in my house this morning looking at my notes. Um, I've gone for, I've gone, I've gone for the same. Um, what you picked, Gareth McInnes yeah. and Conor McCarthy. I picked Gareth. Gar- like yeah, he, he's all got a holiday in Ulster now for the next few years, lads. Are you? <laughs> Jesus. Anybody here of Ty Morley or John Small? No. <laughs> no, I, I thought Gareth McInnes was absolutely brilliant against. You know, the, the, the All Stars and team selections like this are always re- weighted towards your final game of the season is heavily weighted. I thought Gareth McInnes was absolutely sensational against Kerry. Um, got that goal and he's been doing it for years as well. Straight through the middle, heart of the fence, punching holes, getting on the end of things, starting things. Um, like, you know, Derry have a very established, settled group but I would say that when uh, when Kieran Mina goes to pick his team, I would say Gareth McInnes is one of the top three or four names on, on the team sheet that goes down. And the other either side, um, Conor McCarthy, yeah, two two eleven from play, as Conor pointed out, from wing back. Like I, I've seen him a lot in Scotstown and County for Scotstown and County finals, and you know he's hit by his skill set and even to, to an extent his size. You think like he's a forward, he's an out and out forward, he's made to be a forward, but he's very much a product of the modern game and that he needs to be somewhere where he can get space to shoot. And I think he's, Monaghan have done well to reinvent him. And he's done really well to reinvent himself as that player because he doesn't shirk his man marking duties either. And James McCarthy, like there's not much left to say about him. The, the Mayo display was probably the high water mark for him. He was extraordinary. He was getting close to the levels of his performance against Kerry in the, the All-Ireland semi-final. There was some heroic stuff there. But yeah, he, he's uh, he's my other wing back. Okay, is it a no-brainer, lads, for midfield? Uh, Brian Fenton and Brandon Rogers. Would you agree with that, Conneth? Yeah, look, I think that that's a given. Um, again, Brandon Rogers very much like Conor McCluskey and Jared McKinless. Whenever Derry's forward line at any stage wasn't clicking, wasn't happening, it was those three players who got going forward, got making the overlaps, got making it easy for other players around them. And when the chips were down, Brandon Rogers always delivered for uh, for Derry. And I think Brian Fenton. By his own standards, that battle with Jack Barry, 
was just massive because going into that, if it was going to be said that Jack Barry had Brian Fenton's number again in another big game at Croke Park, well, it would have probably dented Brian Fenton's legacy, which sounds absolutely ridiculous. But he put that to bed. He had the game of his life in terms of the big moments. You know, he wasn't brilliant throughout, as, as he always does be. But the big moments, the point in the wet end of the hill under pressure with about 10 minutes to go was probably the thing that gave Dublin the energy to push on. Listeners out there, you can text us 53106 if you have any view. Gilligan, uh, the former Derry player and the Irish independent GA writer, Donegal Boyler, uh, saying in terms of a team of the year for Gaelic football with the dust just settling on last weekend's uh, All-Ireland final. Only one carry player so far in the first nine. Uh, that might uh, cause some uh, ears to pick up down south. Um, the half-forward line, Conneth Gilligan, who did you go for here, the top three there? Well, there's a, obviously the forward lines now are, are, are more fluid. Um, for me, Shane McGuigan gets in there and I have him in a wing half forward. He did play a bit of football out the field, um, but it's to get him in. You know, top scorer in the All-Ireland. No doubt Derry Talley's man, and uh, like he's a shoe-in for me. You know, Johnny O'Shea, when the game needed winning against Derry, whenever things weren't just going, he was the player that single-handedly in that second half dragged him through, as he does all the time. His leadership qualities, his free kicking off the ground, you know, two twelve in the championship, you know, is a big return. Um, and then the other one, it's like Paul Mannion to be man of the match in the final. You know, Paddy Clifford a brilliant year. But I think Conor Callan's contribution from play was probably what made me put him in there, you know, instead of instead of Clifford or Mannion. Right, interesting. So Shane McGuigan, Sean O'Shea and Conor Callahan for Conor Gilligan in his half-forward line. Dunnick Boyle, who do you like in the half-forwards? Well, just uh, I, for the record, I had the same midfield as Conliff, but um, I'm happy to say at, at uh, in the half forward line, it's but just 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 shape. on that, just on that, because it's such it seems such a foregone conclusion on the basis of what we saw, uh, and uh, that that Fenton and Rogers would get in there, isn't it, Donica? Yeah, well, I think to, to some extent, and, and the point Jamesy's point on on Tony Kelly in the hurling conversation was well made. I think to some extent, Brian Fenton is a victim of his own creation. He set extraordinarily high levels and. In the same vein as, as David Clifford, he's been talked about, you know, is he the greatest midfielder of all time? It's him and Jack O'Shea that people are, are talking about now. And, you know, to, by those standards, I would I would suggest that he wasn't at that level until down the final stretch of the Monaghan game where he took over that game and he, and he did more to win it than anyone else for Dublin. And then I thought he was brilliant in the final too. Um, so he timed his run perfectly. Um, and then Brendan Rodgers, you know, the body of work he's put down from the start of the year, if you go back to that league game um, in Celtic Park when uh, when Dublin, uh, Derry beat Dublin, um, I thought it was, he was extraordinary that day and he basically didn't stop until the end of that uh, All-Ireland semi-final. So yeah, I, I don't think uh, there's, there, there is plenty of arguments we made across this team, but I do think those two boys are fairly secure. And your half-forward line then, Dunlop, is? Uh, Paul Mann, again, another late run, but five points in the All-Ireland final. Um, it, it can't be argued with. I've Sean O'Shea as well. I, I think Sean O'Shea, if he was in a different team, he would be talked about in very different terms. I think he'd be the tallies man for, for, for most teams, but obviously with, with David Clifford, he's he maybe doesn't get the attention he might in another team, but I talk, apart from his talent and his kicking, and you know he can play. He played inside a lot this year. He was very effective. He can play out the field. Um, his great attitude, great work rate, great tackler, um, edgy enough, like soft-spoken fella, but edgy enough playing football. I saw him against Loud. Kerry were absolutely tearing Loud apart, and he was snarling around the place. He's just very a lot more uh, 
of a competitor, maybe then his his persona might belie. Um, and then I have Paddy Clifford the other side. Paddy sort of quietly, you know, in that All Ireland semi final or All Ireland finally kicked. I think it was three points in the second half. You know, Kerry were he was really had his hands to the pump when when the game was there and on the line. So um, your Paddy gets in. Okay, so we have so far Connors, uh Dublin five, Derry four, Kerry two, and Monaghan one. And Donica Boyle, Dublin 5, Kerry 3, Derry 3, Monaghan 1. So your full forward line, Conneth Gilligan, is? Yeah, well, look, it goes without saying that, that David Clifford um, gets an out of 14. And then probably this is where it gets the most controversial if Shane McWiggan gets into a corner and somebody else gets out. But like I think for the year he's had, you know, other than the semi final, you know, Colin Basquale has been incredible. Um, from the game in Nolan Park where he almost single handedly ripped Kildare to shreds all the way through didn't have a great first half but his second half was so telling and it wasn't about how many touches he got in the ball but every touch he got was telling he turned over for the goal he kicks a couple of points so for me Pally Besquale gets in and I think well Tom O'Sullivan gets an all-star because he keeps um, Cormac Costello quiet but like I still think Cormac Costello's contribution whenever a lot of the other forwards in Dublin weren't clicking was massive and so I went for uh Costello, Clifford and Basquale. Right. Uh, okay. And Donica, what have you gone for? Well, David Clifford, obviously, you know, All-Ireland final aside, I don't think there's ever been a build-up to an All-Ireland final centred around an individual like that in, in the way there was in the build-up to the this year's decider. Um, so he's obviously nailed on. I've gone for Shane McGuigan in the full forward line where he played the most of his football. So um, I, I, um, I've I stopped scoring the championship Derry's go-to man when it, when it comes to scores um, and I think the game against Kerry was a big one for him too because he got loads of attention got loads of like heavy attention in that game and he still stood up and uh, give I think it was Jason Foley that day and Jason Foley's very unlucky not to make this team but give Jason Foley um, uh, plenty to think about and the last one was it came down to um, Basquale or Costello for me and I've gone for Basquale um, it was brilliant against Mayo he was, I think, first man off the pitch against Monaghan. And then at halftime in the All-Ireland final, you're thinking, will he come back out? And if he does come back out, how long will he get? And he came back in the second half and he turned the game around. He won that turnover um, and played a very important role. And, you know, he top score from play 5-17 and, and has his best season at 27. And in some ways, he might be Desi Farrell's greatest sort of coaching achievement of the year. I covered Dublin's very first game of the year down in Bolton class and uh, Colin Basquale was pretty much the only name you'd recognise on that team it was effectively a Dublin under 23 selection um, and Basquale was by a distance the most recognisable um, face on that team so that's where he was at the at, at the at the start of the year and to finish the year with that second half in an All-Ireland final full house I think it's a, a, an extraordinary achievement by Farrell and by, by Basquale himself because he's been knocking around for a long time had to be very patient in, in a, a team that had generationally good players and uh, he he, uh, he gets his rewards this year Very good Okay so Connell's team is Stephen Cluxton Conor McCluskey Michael Fitzsimons Thomas Sullivan Conor McCarthy on the I would say the left James McCarthy on the right Gareth McKinnis centre back 
uh, Brian Fenton, Brendan Rogers, Shane McGuigan, Sean O'Shea, and Conor Callahan, the half forwards, David Clifford at full forward with Colin Pascal and Cormac Costello either side. And Dunica's team, Stephen Cluxton, Conor McCluskey, Mick Fitzsimons, and Thomas Sullivan, the same uh, t- back four, as it were. And then McCarthy, McKinless, and James McCarthy. Both of you have picked the same uh, goalkeeper in defence uh, and midfield. So it's and really midfield, yeah. and the only difference is in the forwards, uh, Mannion, O'Shea and Paulie Clifford for you in the half forwards, Dunica, David Clifford, Shane McGuigan and Colin Baskell. Footballer of the year, does it matter, Dunica, um, if a player's had a good final or not? Uh, so David Clifford and James McCarthy arguably didn't have good finals, but they're definitely in contention for footballer of the year. I think it's it's the single most deciding factor usually over the course of the, the award is that like, you know, generally players who have a... a bad final game or a poor final game they don't win the footballer of the year um, but for me David Clifford was so far ahead of the posse going into the All-Ireland final and there's no doubt that you know he did not have a good day um, but I'm not sure anyone else did enough to overtake him I'm not sure anyone else put, came out of the pack to put their hand up sufficiently to say well I'm in the conversation here um, so I've kind of stuck I've stuck with David Clifford Um for what he's put together overall. Um, it's not a vintage year for footballer of the year. There's been years when there's been no conversation required. I accept there's a very strong case being made against him. But as you say, like James McCarthy was okay in the final. He wasn't brilliant. If he had to maybe put down a, a Mayo-type performance, you would say, yeah, he's he's very much. And, and the other thing about James is he was probably lucky to stay on the pitch um, in the final as well. So if, if he had to pick up a second yellow card, I don't think we'll be having the conversation about James at all. So those are the small margins that these things swing on. So I, I've just I've stuck with David Clifford because I just don't think there was enough to overtake him in uh, in any of the rest. James McCarthy should have won it before uh, Connacht, I feel, and maybe 2017. He was unlucky not to win it. Um, if he gets the award, it's almost a legacy thing for his amazing career, nine All-Ireland wins, the captain this year. But does it mean he gets it this year? Is he your choice? Yeah, look, I, I agree absolutely with everything Donica said. It wasn't a vintage performance in the final by any stretch. His performance in the Mayo game was massive. Probably moment of the year for me may have been David Clifford lifting the cup in the Munster final, having just lost a parent and a ring went after that. So I think for everything that David Clifford's been through this year, coming off the back of an All-Ireland Club final as well, um, look, I think with the pressure he's been under and no one player has carried as much burden on his shoulders. And I think for that alone, he's my footballer of the year for sure. I wouldn't begrudge Jim McCarthy if they do give it to him because it may be a legacy thing. It may be something that he can look back on and say, well, I've deserved before. And it would be fitting. And I think the other person in there would be Brenton Rogers if you were go to three. And that's not me from a dairy hat on. I think just based on performances alone in a team that weren't firing all cylinders at certain times, he was the one piece of glue that kept everything together but yeah look I think uh, David Clifford you know is my player of the year but it, who would begrudge you know probably one of the best players of their generation and, and James McCarthy It's not too dissimilar to the Hurlers it was very similar actually John Bubbles O'Dwyer and James O'Connor picked the same 13 players and you both have done the same uh, Conneth Gilligan and Dunne Cavall you both picked the same footballer of the year in David Clifford uh, Conneth how do you feel the championship played out as a whole was it a successful season for the GAA? Yeah, look, I think it was. I think it was, it was those poor games, obviously. Um, and there's obviously recency bias. So when you get to the semi-finals, you kind of forget just how underwhelming the quarterfinals were. I think the last day of the round robins was incredible, but it did mask up some poor games prior to that. But going right back, and, and I suppose when we're looking at all-star selections, 
sometimes a, a, the team that wins the league can sometimes have somebody in there. And you know, I think kind of Mio's really good early form has all been forgotten about there. But I think coming off the back of a, a really good league campaign for all teams, I think the league was brilliant into the championship. It wasn't the best championship ever, but there was probably enough in it. Last year, everybody wanted a new winner. They got Kerry. Um, again, they wanted something different. Now they've got back to the future a wee bit in, in Dublin. And, and I think it's probably really good. And it's as good as it's been in terms of teams that potentially are looking at this going, we could win this if we get everything together. And we'll have learned from last year. The Ulster, you know, and if you look at, I suppose, what the Kerry team and the Dublin team have had to get to get to a final, and you put that up against what Mayo, what Derry have had to do in their provincial championships, it probably has been a very different competition. Are Derry feeling that maybe next year might be the year because it did feel from the semi-final last year to this year that they did progress, they scored more and they're right there, you feel, for next year? Yeah, they are. And I think if Derry had about a couple more players um, a year older, maybe a year more experience to bring off the banks that were going to really add to what Derry were doing. you know. And I think Derry missed the likes of an Emmett Bradley from Glen who stepped away from the panel at Murray. If they had somebody like him to come in that midfield into that half forward line good kick from range he's one of those players so I think Derry have to add to their, their panel for sure and they have to get some of these under 20 some of the minors right through onto the highest level they can be but I think Derry in the conversation they're definitely in the top four um, moving forward and this year the difference for Derry is that they're playing in division one week in and week out and that gives them a better barometer for where exactly they're at because it took to the Dublin game in the, the division two of the National League before Derry ever got tested and in the first 20 minutes of that test, they failed miserably. And then the second half, they turned it on. So I think Derry will have learned a lot from that. And I think they will learn a lot into the, the season coming in. And they may take a different view on what the Ulster Champions going to mean to them. Having won it back-to-back, do they really want to put their all their eggs in that Ulster Championship basket again? I'm just not so sure that a lot of teams will this year. 53106, James and Longford in touch. Uh, out with Potty Clifford, in with Brian Howard. Where did all of Cluxon's kickouts end up in the final? Only for Howard. Most touches in the final, says James. Uh, Dunnick O'Boyle, uh, was the format a success? Do you, is that the feeling in headquarters in Croke Park that it was a success or not? The round robin. I, I, I think there's there's an acceptance that there's, there's some element of tweaking required. Um, it was very helter-skelter to the point where, you know, there was almost, you know, no... Uh, analysis and nearly no build up to any game. It was just one game rolled into the next, um, which sounds great on paper, but you know, I, particularly for I think the two finals in particular suffered. Um, I think, in fairness, John, like the GA should be um, applauded for moving towards the split season because it gives you know it, it markets itself as the great organisation of the people and for the people. And in this instance, it actually put the club player, the 99% of its playing membership first and gave them certainty like they'd never had before in terms of their calendar games. But on the other side, it did lose something. We did lose September. We did lose uh, August in terms of the build, uh, August. And, you know, there is, when you talk to people from other sports, you know, and as, as, a, as a colleague of mine put it, he says, like, the GA are writing themselves out of the agenda. Uh, by adopting this but I think they should be applauded for putting club players first because for a long time if you were playing club football all you knew was uncertainty you didn't know when it was going to play and everything hinged on how your county may, may get on so um, but they, 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 that there was a cost to that and um, that cost came at just a little bit of a feel enough that it was run off really quickly particularly, and, and particularly the finals because as I say 
most other organizations are looking to expand their footprint. You know, they're looking for ways to to be in, you know, to, to be front and center for longer and better uh, periods of time. Um, and the GA have gone the opposite direction. So, um, yeah, they, they, I do think the two finals in particular suffered. I think in time, the provincial finals might suffer uh, a little bit as well, because particularly in football, I think when you look around, I think the teams um, that have their eye on the All-Ireland final will know that, you know, the the, the province, the provincial stuff is probably six weeks away from a game you need to be winning, or certainly four or five weeks away from a game um, you need to be winning, say, in the group stages of the All-Ireland qualifiers. So I think we'll see a small tweak next year and that and teams will actually chase top spot in the group much more uh, diligently last year because you've seen week on week playing championship football this year. I think Monaghan were the only team to come through that. So um, I think you're going to see a small em- a small change in emphasis from the teams playing next year. Uh, and that could see the provinces being squeezed in terms of its its level of interest. And Because, like, you know, the Leinster Championship, Dublin will likely win the Leinster Championship, but it's not of much interest to them. Kerry in, in uh, Munster, the same. Uh, Ulster, slightly different. But even the, the teams in Connacht, I would suggest they would be, they've all won recently, the three teams, the three major teams, Galway, Mayo and Roscommon, they've all won a Connacht title recently. So they would be looking elsewhere for the ex, their next level of progress. So, um, yeah, I, I think there could be some tweaking. And if that gives it another week, not a fortnight, just in the build-up to the final or semi-finals, I think that would be welcome. And I still think there's time for, for the club to be played off in, in, in yeah. is, as well without squeezing that window too much. No, I, I've no issue with the calendar um, from a club player's point of view. And they deserve the split season. They deserve um, the support of the association. Uh, you don't want, though, the product that has the mass appeal, that has a million people watching, that has 82,300 you could have filled over 100,000 last week for Dublin and Kerry to be something that we uh, can't breathe around and I actually think the issue, Dunnocka, is and Colin, you can chip in here if you want as well because I know the Ulster Championship is sacred up north um, is that there's too many meaningless games in inter-county season. So do we really need these pre- pre- preliminary competitions January, February? Do the leagues really, really matter in terms of meaning? And uh, when you think about Mayo and Galway, there was such excitement around them uh, and they really didn't have any say in the championship whatsoever. So I'd love to see a more expanded championship at the expense of competitions I feel that don't, don't have any meaning. Yeah, well, just just on that, um, in terms of the Ulster Championship, it still means a lot. There's, you know, like, for example, even though Tyrone have won the All-Ireland recent times, an Ulster Championship would still be massive to them having not won for a number of years. You know, Armagh, Monaghan would love to win it again. Obviously, Jerry put so much stock in it. So I think Connacht and Ulster probably is the one that stands alone. But the other bit, and we talk about the split season, and I, I'm, I'm for the split season, but I do think that we need to spend a wee bit of time thinking about county players as well, because the county players now, this weekend, for example, in Derry, you know, Derry's not finished that long. There's club championship this weekend in Derry, and there's a number of Derry senior players that are on holiday because of work commitments and things. So I think while... It's great that the club players have certainty. You know, you still want whenever the county season's over that your club players are or your county players are going back to you and fit that that value. And I think county players are being worked very, very hard week in and week out. And I think we do need to look at how we protect them because they are the people they're the players who people want to come and see who are paying into matches to come and watch. And I think we're in danger of killing the goose that's laying the golden egg by asking players, you know, for example, Conor Glass, I'm only going from a dairy context, Conor Glass played in an All-Ireland club final and one week later he played the very first game for Derry and 
he's finished a couple of weeks and now Glenn are in the club championship tonight again and it's players that that I want to see protected and how we do it I'm not 100% sure but I think the club season probably could take another couple of weeks break to allow those players a wee bit more time yeah, no, well said, Conor. The final word to you, Dunica Boyle, just reflect on all of that. I feel there's too many meaningless games in the inter-county season. And if you cut a lot of the meaningless games out, provinces, uh, OK, if you want to play them, maybe start of the year, but maybe just make the championship a league structure and uh, let it breathe a bit more. And then you might solve this issue, but it won't be solved overnight. We won't solve it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, like the, the the group stage was a funny one because, you know, with, with going into it and people sort of realised in... in to build up to the group stage that there's going to be an awful lot of games to eliminate four teams and and that looked right but it actually played very dramatically in that you know there was was a three or four freeze on the final day that made big decisions on you know Westmead could have knocked Tyrone out um you know there was, there was three or four of those scenarios uh, Shane Walsh and Galway were in that one as well so it actually played out quite it, dramatically it, it, the final day sorry sorry, sorry again sorry. Aiden didn't go for the point. We dropped it in. Aiden didn't go for the point. Yeah. So and so that was like that was sort of a Super Sunday uh, stuff that day. You know, there was kind of like you could flick one one to the other, see what was happening, and like it had major ramifications for the All Ireland and who was playing in the following week and stuff like that. Um, and so that was actually quite. But I think you know the Super Eights taught us that that was probably the exception rather than the rule. The three teams coming out of the game uh, out of the group was, I suppose, designed to stop dead rubber. Um, but in some way, it took an awful lot of the edge and the jeopardy out of the championship. Um, so you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't in that regard. Um, and, but I do think that because of the, the, I do think the provinces will get squeezed, maybe not in Ulster, but I think elsewhere the provinces get squeezed because if you are trying to secure your or your uh, Sam McGuire place, you're going to go hard after the league to finish okay. as high up in your division as you can. Uh, and then maybe the provinces teams could take a breather uh, and then go at it again for the All Ireland series. So that I, I, that's where I think maybe the uh, the next move will be. Donegal Bar from Irish Independent, Connacht Gilligan, ex Derry player. Glad it's great to talk to you. Always love talking Gaelic football. Chat soon. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. All right, thanks, thanks Donegal. Donegal.